You know, Jerk should really have a French accent, and he should announce himself. Do you you hear the now recording, right? Yes. When it comes tried, in, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Jerk, who knows? He's mysterious, Jerk, he's quiet. He's very mysterious. Um. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, welcome back to our little show, which we haven't recorded in forever because um, I'm well, we're both busy working. I just I don't know how to uh, manage my time any better. Um, I, uh, I need plenty of time on the weekend to, um, sit and play mobile games on my phone. Um, of course, of course. The, yeah. Um, anyway, so this is an episode I've wanted to do for a long time because I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I started rewatching this show, um, recently just, and it brought back a lot of like awesome memories of how cool, um, did someone else join? Interesting. Nope. I heard the boop boop. All right. Anyway, so today's episode is about David, the motherfucking gnome. Um, and uh, I want to, this might not be like super long, but I kind of did like a little, not a retrospective, but kind of gleaned the, the interesting, most interesting bits of the show. And then uh, later we'll take a look at how it matches up to real gnome lore. Uh, so anyway, Maggie, have you watched David the gnome when you were little? No, I don't even know what it is. And I'm really into gnomes and like art and stuff. So I'm really surprised and baffled. And I just want to know what's going on. Okay. Well, I think you'll really enjoy this. And you should definitely, uh, as you get a chance, watch the show. Because it was like a very badass fantasy show. Like, And it, that and the original Lord of the Rings um, Hobbit, rather just the Hobbit animation, the 70s one, were the first like fantasy things that I feel like I ever was like really um, exposed to. Aside from like, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. No, that that probably was really like literally um, the first thing. So anyway, um, in so the world of David and Ohm, it was I guess originally a Spanish animated television show, which I did not know that. Uh, but they're oh. based on the Secret Book of Gnomes by Dutch author Will Huygen and illustrator Rien Puertvillet. I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering those names. Um, and it was originally created in Spain by BRB International. Um, and then later on, it. Uh, had our English dub, which we know, The World of David the Gnome, uh, Canadian studio Sinar produced it. And uh, you want to know some, it was on Nickelodeon, um, and David the Gnome is voiced by Tom Bosley. The uh, The funny thing is there's a, there's a spinoff that I've never heard of called Wisdom of the Gnomes, which maybe I'll have to check out at some point. Um, and then, uh, oh shoot, I forgot what I was going to say that was funny about it. I don't know. So it follows... David the gnome, who most people know what gnomes are, but for with without D and D context, gnomes are fey little fairy folk. They're usually characteristically have little red pointy hats. You probably you know people have seen them as uh, garden gnomes, which we'll talk about later. Which is a specific kind of gnome. There's all sorts of kinds of gnomes, but without delving too much into like what modern ideas of gnomes are, because you know they they're used in Warcraft and D and D and all this stuff. You have to think of them as like little fey keepers of nature. And they help nature grow wherever they're at. And as long as humans are respectful to them, they'll help them out along. So um, David is a gnome doctor. And he has his deal. His wife is named Lisa. And he basically, throughout the series, helps animals and other uh, gnomes in peril. And it just kind of shows like, oh, how like good he is to like, you know, the animals and the creatures of the forest. Um but uh, it's also kind of like a, a fantasy show because there's um, trolls and goblins and fairies and all these other like really, you know, high fantasy characters and stuff in it. But it's presented in sort of like a, a children's show. So um, anyway, in the beginning of every one of the episodes, David kind of walks you around like gnome world and like his home where he lives and his family. And like, you get like little lore drops here and there on every episode. So, uh, I have prepared for this a little, so there's some, uh, gnome facts. They weigh around 300 grams, which is 11 ounces. 
And uh, I don't know what that means. I couldn't tell you what 300 grams feel like or 11 ounces are. That's like two chicken breasts or something, right? Yeah, they're so little. <laughs> 15 centimeters, six inches high. So you imagine they're about six. But the, the thing is, they're seven times stronger than a human being, even at six inches. Oh. So they're like, I don't know, like ants, I guess. Aren't ants like seven or ten times stronger than their size? Yeah, little beefy boys. So, in theory, they could, you know, lift up, I don't know, like a dog or something. I don't know. They don't showcase their strength too much sometimes in there. Um, they live probably to be at least six or seven hundred years old. Uh, it's yeah. sort of presented that. So, David and his wife, Lisa, are around 399, 400 years old. So, they are actually... Uh, great great grandparents in the narrative here so their their grandkids have had kids basically so they um i guess gnomes sort of like here's the so starting with like the life of a gnome i guess to explain around when they're born when a gnome is born they have a tree built or i'm sorry um planted with them right so the tree and the child grow up together. And eventually they use that tree as their home. They build inside it and underneath it. And that's where they make their home. Um, so oh, like the Berenstein bears, like the Berenstein bears, <laughs> another great, another great fantasy show about werebears. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, they around that when they turn around a hundred, that's when they start looking to get married and they uh, only have children once in their life, and they always have twins. Um, they don't implicitly say it, but from the art and stuff, it, it looks as if you know they always have one male and one female. Um, but that's something to know about, like their weird gnome lifespan. So while they they, um, I guess progressively, I guess they progress kind of like a human for the first hundred years, but every hundred years after that, they look sort of the same, but they have big, you know, the, the men have big white beards. The women all wear their little babushkas in their, in their hats. Um, and so they, uh, they retain a sense of child like mischief and wonder, even though they're hundreds of years old, like they might be more mature, but they still like, you know, frolicking and being little mischievous little gnome guys right so um one thing that's always cute they they rub their noses to show affection for one another kind of like eskimo kisses that's another thing in in the lore they're very kind of just like loving little guys and they keep mice as pets like we keep uh dogs so it's a big big pet for them they're only six inches tall that's like yeah like German Shepherd size. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely and like sometimes the scale in the show is like kind of like a little off, but yeah, they definitely show like that the mice are like you know pretty, pretty uh, large pets. But uh, regardless, they um, they also can communicate um, through telepathy with one another. All so right. that's how like yeah, the beyond all those powers, they're also also telepathic. So like when David gets these calls for like summons basically other gnomes can contact him like telepathically from around the globe and be like ah oh, there's a hurt shrew over here there's you know two uh you know two deer that got their antlers caught in a headlock and you need to come help them out so um anyway that that was one thing that like i completely forgot that was like wow that's wild telepathic too on top of all those things like professor x <laughs> so is this like, how do you, is this like way more than you ever knew about gnomes in general? Yeah, already. Plus, I'm surprised because all you told me is it'll be an episode about David the gnome. And without any context, I just imagine there's like a cryptid that's known as David the gnome that's been like sighted <laughs> and like destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, like they're going to drop some like real world lore. It's like a Bigfoot type thing. So I'm already kind of like, off like my imagined like trail this is gonna go i'm already really surprised so So, yeah um i i I think david's representative of like all gnomes but like 
the, you know, he obviously he has an elevated status because he's like kind of like a doctor. And as we'll see, like he's like just a big wig amongst all the other gnomes. He's not like haughty about it or anything, but like dude does everything, presides over weddings, you know, is a is a, a royal. Um, uh, what do you call him when you uh, go to? Uh, you're like a liaison, different. Yeah, ambassador. Exactly. That's exactly what I was saying. He's like ambassador to all the other gnome kingdoms. You know, he's a uh, he's he's got every accolade. Like he's finishing every single side quest in life at this point. Um, wow. So, um, uh, so how do how do the gnomes kind of live and and uh, I guess kind of make their clothes and make their homes and all that stuff when they're so tiny. Well, I'm going to tell you. So since they take care of all the animals, the animals always give them uh, things that they might need. So they'll take, you know, fur or scraps and stuff like that that might got caught on a fence or like eggs from, you know, gooses and things like that. So they, they really just kind of, their whole little world is built upon the nature helping them back and them using resources from nature to clothe themselves and provide for themselves. Um, they can travel by riding any and all of these animals. So in the show, he travels by Fox. Swift is like his, his main little dude that helps him ride around, but he also rides on rabbits and otters in the water. And if they need to fly, they can travel on goose. So goose are like their dragons, right? <laughs> or, or their <laughs> eagles. So you imagine them like flying around on gooses is pretty hilarious. Um, and every night, I don't know, I have this note, every night they read a chapter from their secret gnome book. And that's just like, I remember one of the things they like, I took a note on, I'm like, that's funny. Like, all right, day's over, time to read a chapter from the secret gnome book. But they never say like anything more about what's in the secret gnome book. Oh, I hope it's like oh. some really unsettling, disturbing, like <laughs> controversial <laughs> shit. <laughs> like tell no one about the dungeons, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it really could be controversial shit as we'll uh, see later when I talk about real uh, gnome lore. Uh, they weren't no. always as, always as uh, cheery as uh, this show makes them out to be. So, um, and then they're, sh they're saying for uh, like, um, like their their greeting and their goodbye is uh, Schlitzweitz. <laughs> Schlitzweitz. Right. So again, I think this was a this was a, was a oh a Dutch author. Anyway, so like at the end of every episode, when saying goodbye, they're like Schlitzweitz. Anyway, so um, what does it mean? What does it mean? They never say. Oh, okay, that's good. I think it's just like a general like like a farewell or you know goodbye or take care kind of saying. Um, um, it's like I, eat shit, asshole. Like. Eat shit, uh, shit Yeah, I mean, it, it actually, it it hundred percent could be. They they never say exactly what it means. So, again, could be a secret from the gnome book. Don't let the humans know we're telling them to eat shit all the time. Uh, but uh, so their uh, their homes, as I talked about, they um, you know they they have a tree planted with them when they're born. So they. Which is, so they kind of, they say two different things. In one episode, they say they, they build with the same tree that they're born with. In another episode, when they actually talk about how they build their houses, they go through this whole um, ritual of finding a tree to use. Because they have like a tuning fork that's like a dowsing rod uh, to find good supply of underground water, they say. And then they usually choose the tree based on where the water is available. So if you imagine uh, the main entrance of their little home is at the base of the tree and it goes down underneath. So they kind of, they're subterranean, I suppose to say, like, obviously they live and work atop, but like they live uh, or rather say, sorry, they, they work and, and play and go about their day above ground, but they, all their homes are like underground homes. So uh, imagine there's like a staircase that goes down and then they have, they built like a, a little trap door. So skunks or cats or squirrels or any other like dangerous animals would fall into the little trap door. But the gnomes are light enough to walk across it. So they say that they use rabbits to help them build their tunnels in their homes. So imagine a little rabbit scurrying around underground, building, you know, playing home improvement for them. Uh, so <laughs> it is adorable. So um, 
they are amazing at carpentry. They build this entire home themselves. They put in waterproofing, uh, heat and storage rooms, and they even waterproof the ceiling. They make little storerooms for themselves, but all gnome homes kind of have like the same little layout. They have like a little living room, which is also the kitchen. They have their little bathrooms with their little gnome plumbing and their little toilets where they take their little dumps and their little stove and all this stuff, right? They even build little chimneys. So that go up through the tree that they build the home near. So little woodpecker boop, 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 pokes a hole into the tree. So if you ever see a little smoke coming out of a tree, that might be where a gnome home is. So next time wow. you're out in the forest, look for that. Um, uh, moles help them dig their little wells. So one for the bathroom and then one for, um, I guess, like their drinking water well. Um, I'm not going to go too much into gnome dumps, although I'm sure that'd be a very popular topic, but suffice to say, you know, they have a little latrine type thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so where did I, oh, that's why I started, this displays the pages weird. So I started reading onto uh, the next page. So, um, I, so going back to Schlitzfights, actually it says that's the only word humans are allowed to know, um, but they don't say what it means so the humans that's the one i guess it's ambiguous i guess the gnomes in theory in the show are speaking in their gnome language but we hear them speak english but they can also speak english because there's some times in the show where they interact with like humans and stuff like that so um that's their little gnome houses they also have a back entrance that's like their little escape um room so there's another long tunnel that leads behind the house that leads you know away from there. So if they were trying to run from predators, they would use their little escape tunnel basically and end up, you know, yards away from where their little home is. Um, so their clothes are also very important, how they make their little clothes. Uh, but they basically, they wear, you know, little, uh, little tunics, little brown pants, little boots, and their hat. Uh, their hat is a little iconic. Cone iconic yes very much and the reason it's usually a bright color because it helps ward off against predators so like if an eagle saw uh you know a little gnome picking his berries in the forest uh he would recognize the little red hat and therefore not attack the little gnome so basic none of the none of the forest creatures would kind of outwardly try to uh, threaten a gnome or eat a gnome or kill a gnome because they have this innate knowledge of that the gnome is there to take care of you know the forest and take care of them although there's a few like circumstances where there's like evil animals being controlled by humans sort of that might attack the gnomes but in general like a gnome is pretty much safe from any animal attacking them but the the hats are given to them right at birth and then obviously they get bigger ones as they grow up but it's kind of like a like a, not a ritual, but like, it's like the most important thing that they own is their little hats. So, <laughs> um, so they share the world, obviously with all these forest animals, stuff like that. But the, one of the most interesting episodes is like in the second episode, they go through this entire bestiary of other animated creatures that live in this world. And I feel like that was the first time, like, I saw something that was like akin to Dungeons and Dragons. Like, whoa, look at all these monsters and other, you know, spirits and, and elementals. And that was the first time I think I was exposed to any of those things. So that always holds a like really interesting memory for me of being the like the first time I was like, super interested in monsters and stuff like that. And which obviously led to all the, the miniature collecting and D&D stuff that I do today. So I, I feel like that kind of set off the... Uh, the spark with that. Wow, it's like um, activated you. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, and like, again, I, I compare it to The Hobbit a little bit too, because like The Hobbit had, you know, trolls and Gollum and orcs and all these other like fantastic creatures I've never heard of, even though the representations are definitely like, they're definitely, they were their own thing in The Hobbit uh, animated. Like orcs were kind of just like, these giant mouths with like little stumpy feet and stumpy arms and horn helmets, you know, they kind of look like deranged Pokemon or some kind. Uh, and like the elves are also like really creepy looking. Like they had these really buggy eyes and big faces and lips, but were like really scrawny and gangly and, 
Anyway, they're very strange. Anyway, back to, sorry, back to the uh, denizens that live in the gnome world. Um, so the most interesting thing is, so dwarves exist in their world, but David's like, well, of course they don't have any beards uh, and they have cutlasses and they hoard treasure. So uh, that's the strangest thing that like dwarves don't have beards. I think it's just to differentiate wow. them from the gnomes because the gnomes beards are so important aesthetically in the show, but the, the dwarves in the gnome universe uh, do not have beards. Wow. Which is very, very counter cultural nerd cultural to anything you know you'd see in modern day like dwarves are known for their beards like so i'm wondering if some point like there was a great beard war and the gnomes won in this universe and they got to keep their beards and the dwarves have to shave their beards that's kind of what i think happened oh no i'm saying like this like horrible battle and afterward they're like pulled to the side and like shamefully have their heads shaved <laughs> so that's that's funny actually because there's a in the warhammer universe um, one of the great elf and dwarf wars started over an elf shaving uh, a dwarf's beard. And that started an entire grudge and an entire war. So um, wow. I think that could that could very well be a hidden bit of lore that we don't learn that happened. And maybe that's why all dwarves have to shave or they just don't have beards. Um, going on, there's all sorts of spirits. There's woodland spirits which pretty much look like gnomes. Uh, they they have sock hats. They're kind of a little more gargoyle-ish looking. Uh, and they have wings and kind of lanky limbs and long hair. So they, they kind of look like gargoyles, but they also have the hats. Um, so whether or not they're like they're semi-related to the gnomes, you're not really sure. Um, there's mountain spirits, which look like a He-Man like villain. They They have like fish guy fins they look like kind of like monster troll kind of guys but they have like little fish like fins on them which seems really strange because they're mountain yeah. spirits like so I, I think it was just a maybe a you know oh fuck it draw something like this like <laughs> I, I, I I don't know so the mountain spirits are again they're not evil necessarily but they kind of look like it um, then they describe something called the ancestors and they look just like gnomes, but a little more scraggly. Like if uh, Pigpen from the Peanuts was a gnome, that's kind of what they look like. And uh, they show him sitting atop an elk or a reindeer. And they just like, they don't elaborate on what they are. He's just like, ooh. Like in the segment he's like going on, he's like, oh, we live with all these other creatures. Like woodland spirits, mountain spirits, the ancestors. And they show this scraggly Pigpen gnome. And it's like, well ancestors ancestor of what i don't know Weird. it's very and, confusing are they, like, large because they're on no they're, they're they're gnome size they're gnome size oh. and like they don't explain like you know when, when you use the word ancestor it has a certain connotation right like oh is yeah. this a like more powerful like kind of gnome or like ancient gnome or something like that but anyway We'll never know what the ancestors are because they're never mentioned in any of the other twenty-six episodes. So uh, we'll just have okay. to wonder. We'll just have to wonder what and possibly who the ancestors are and or were. So maybe someone else that listens to this that knows more about gnome lore can uh, maybe tell us. Um, wizards, which basically look like your standard evil Merlin, uh, werewolves. Um, which Whoa. was my favorite. And it was interesting how they depict them because in this depiction, they kind of have a little more orange and red fur. So it kind of looks like a were-fox. Um, but uh, anyway, we, we don't see werewolves for the rest of the series, unfortunately. They're only in one little shot. Oh, no. um, fire spirits, which are sort of like your standard bomb-om Final Fantasy-looking dude, like a little fire um, blob with a little melty, evil, leering face. Um, fairies which look very much like angels and they have like feathered wings and they're shown kind of resting on clouds um but they're completely naked they don't have any togas but so that's what fairies look like uh in this universe and they are they are different than uh the gnomes even though they're both technically like fey type creatures but um the main villains and the main instigators of trouble are the trolls of course um and basically uh, the the trolls are exactly what you think. They look like big fat 
naked men with shaggy black hair and big noses and they have like little tails that have a shaggy little bob on the end and they are just complete morons so even though they try to trick and capture gnomes they're like basically the gargamel of this universe right they're absolutely stupid and the majority of the time david tricks them by uh tricking them into eating soup which he puts a sleeping powder in um so that's like 90 <laughs> percent of the time how he gets away from uh the trolls which is pretty funny but uh <laughs> there's uh there's um oh man what's the tro- so there's there's pit pat and pot those are the three main trolls. And then uh, there is a troll king whose name I'm having trouble finding. But, like, they don't introduce him at all. Oh, Holler. Holler is his name. They don't. He just shows up in episode five. And, like, they, they randomly show, like, the trolls walking. And then all of a sudden they have a leader named Holler. So, um, basically, they their goal is to try and capture gnomes so they can torture them or do whatever, you know, it's kind of PC they're, they They don't like show them eating them or anything or like that, but they kind of just play tricks on them and try to capture them or trying to ruin what they're doing. Like if they're having a wedding, the trolls will be there to try and just stomp on it and make it miserable for everyone. However, they're all they, pretty stupid. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, or maybe they like, you know, comment rude stuff on their discord posts, just like typical <laughs> troll stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> just re- review bomb the wedding on pinterest um <laughs> yeah they uh this in you know it is it is kind of funny because how that that the modern connotation of like an internet troll is you know it does kind of go back i think actually here's here's you bring up a good point here's something to understand about um and uh, sorry if this is something that you already knew a, a lot of old lore words like troll and goblin and fairy were very broad terms. Like in in the earliest sense, you wouldn't think of it in this like individualized kind of monster or creature that is what I I just keep calling Dungeons and Dragons because that's what it is. Like to me, Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings kind of popularized like putting all these things into specific categories. So like a, a goblin could be a troll, a fairy could be a troll. Uh, hmm. Something happening that was supernatural, strange could have just been uh, fairy magic or goblin magic. Like they they were more nebulous terms. So like does that kind of make sense? Like, yeah, like they were just kind of, like ambiguous, like yeah, supernatural entities. Exactly. And they didn't necessarily like have like, like forms or they could be described multiple ways. So that's one thing that is just something to note, like as we talk about the the history of it later, because it gets a little confusing. It's it's more it's easier for us to understand with them being having individual like specific looks and definitions for one another but that was not uh pretty much uh always so um anyway trolls do have uh your standard they get turned into stone when hit with direct sunlight so a lot of times you know david just kind of keeps them out until sunlight and they're so stupid they forget that the sun is coming up and they just get uh, turned to stone however uh they never get pushed over and smashed um that's a little too violent for the show so that doesn't happen Uh um want want <laughs> but uh yeah it is funny even the show when david's describing him he says they're the stupidest creatures in the world they're smelly and hairy and they have horrible table manners so uh <laughs> that is how trolls are described um so what yeah what do you what do you think about the world of david the gnome so far it sounds so cute i don't know how i didn't know about this it sounds like i would have loved this yeah I definitely uh, brought back a like my my childhood sense of wonder and endearment, even just watching it. Like it's definitely been like a a comfort show for me. Like if I had time after work, like I'd sit down and watch like half of an episode, or you know, it's uh, it's really cute, and it would be neat to see like if it got uh, reimagined or, or remade uh, in some capacity, or even just like re-released. Obviously, you can watch it on YouTube. They're restored and they look uh, fantastic, but yeah. I might have to check it out. I mean, this sounds amazing. Oh, you definitely should. Um, so uh, that's that's about trolls. I talked about uh, gnome homes. Sorry, I jumped over like a little section. Um, so 
uh, gnome marriages, like I said before, gnome, gnomes like literally turn 50 at age 20, and then they stay like that for hundreds of years. Uh, they get married underneath their family tree. And like I said, around year 100, that's when guys start to think about marriage, which is, you know, I mean, pretty much like <laughs> men, men in Chicago, right? <laughs> I was going to say, mood. so not too much difference here in the mortal world so uh but uh they have you know big little weddings for themselves and one of the funny things is they they set up signs leading to the wedding but it's uh pointed in the wrong direction to ward off the trolls so the trolls are so dumb, they follow those signs, and, and gnomes know to go the opposite direction of the sign that points to their wedding. So if you're <laughs> ever stumbling in the forest and you see a sign that leads to a gnome wedding and you want to find it, you have to go the opposite direction of where this uh, sign is pointing to know. I see. Good, um, good tip. Yeah, pro tip. So um, they have many hobbies. Uh, David, aside from being, you know, a doctor and a surgeon and all he does, he likes weaving and wood carving. And he makes little decorated boxes and jugs and pipes that he gives out as presents. And yes, they, they love smoking their little pipes um, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, uh, and and chilling out in home. So, um, yeah, uh, that is, I guess, kind of just the broad view of, like, the series without, like, talking about, like, all the episodes i just wanted to kind of introduce like what the show is about and like some of the more interesting characters and and gnome lore um but i have for sort of the the second half of here is uh how long have how long have we been talking so far not that long right no like 20 minutes maybe oh my god it's gonna be a short episode maybe so um gnome lore i decided to take a look at what the actual lore is behind gnomes because a lot of it gets mixed up in, in fantasy lore and uh, other stories. And there's not a lot of famous like gnome stories per se. Like <laughs> there's not one that's like, Oh, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think of like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something funny. It's not like, like right. you know, like a main gnome story. Like, uh, like there might be like uh, the troll under the bridge or any of these archetypes. You know what I mean? There's just stories of people seeing them or encountering them or seeing little uh, things that they've left or also like giving gifts to gnomes out in the forest, you know, so they take care of your home. Okay, I see. And um, oh, that, that implies there's not like horrible horror stories either. Like you hear about fairies, like, oh, they, you know, the children wandered into the fairy circle and they disappeared. And so, yeah, not, you know, like dark lore either. It sounds like. No, gnomes are not really, they're not child abductors like fairies are. Um, they're more mischievous upon other fairy creatures. So uh, gnomes originally appear in Scandinavian legends. And they're known by many names, such as Nice, Niesen, or Ninis, Nennies, Nines? I don't remember. Um, nieces so there's and all Nieces and nephews. So they have all <laughs> sorts of names. And um, there's a lot of variations to the story of their origins, but it basically goes like this. So gnomes were one of the fae. And they've, that's a general, again, that general term for fairies and spirits and all these creatures that live in the fae realm. And that's kind of a, probably an episode on its own to talk about, which would maybe be a cool follow-up episode. But yeah. it's, they lived before humans for, you know, thousands of years at the beginning of time in a different realm. Um, and the rule of, I'm sorry, the world of the Fae is under the rule of uh, what I want to say is more like the fairy type creatures, but they're sort of like a council of all of them because okay. they just call them they just call them the Fae. But the gnomes were different from the rest of the Fae because they were a little bit more powerful and they had they were kind of cunning and mischievous. They really didn't want to bow to authority so they were very difficult to rule out of all the subjects of the fey kingdom um they also could shapeshift and that 
was the big power that they had over any of the other Fae that made them dangerous, because they could mimic things flawlessly. But they could only take the form of things their size. So they couldn't be anything too large, but they could, uh, I, you know, which makes me think, I'm like, all right, well, what, what could they mimic? Like, insects, spiders, mice, smaller things. I think they could also mimic other Fae. So they would do things and use these powers to like sneak into secret council meetings and just be generally disruptive and play tricks and pranks, but also kind of disrupt the Fae rule. Um, so the Fae council decided that they needed to unite all the other races of the Fae against the gnomes. Um, oh. And they soon uh, began to hunt down the gnomes. So imagine little fae hunters that learn how to track down gnomes. And I, I, it doesn't say necessarily, but I'm guessing they were killing them. So that oh, no. began like a giant war. And here's, here's where it gets a little bit more confusing. So this began like the gnome fae war. So mm -hmm. this... This is all happening in the fairy realm, mind you. So this realm is torn apart by chaos and strife as the gnomes and the fae are battling. Uh, and one side could not kind of get uh, a better hold over the other. So there are also gnome lords that were lords of all the other gnomes that were sort of part of like the fae council. They finally convene with the fae lords and they decide to come upon an agreement uh, that they think is going to stop the war, but also kind of sounds like more like saving their skins. Uh, sure. So they would make this ritual, this magic ritual that would take away the gnome's shape-shifting ability. And it's this giant spell that the gnome lords would cast and make all but them forget this ability to shape-shift. So they worked on this ritual, they cast it, and the gnomes were then divided in between the gnomes that lost their powers, like the regular peasant gnomes or whatever you want to call them, and then the gnome lords kept their powers in shape-shifting, but they kind of seceded to the fey rule. So the gnomes that lost their powers were sent to live in the human realm. However, the magic dispersed from the Fey realm, I guess when they lost their powers, ended up in the human realm. So slowly over time, the gnomes that lived in the human realm were able to gain back some of their powers, but not their shape-shifting ability. But I guess the gnome lords still live in the Fey realm, and they're still able to shape-shift. So the, all the gnomes that live in our mortal realm are basically the outcast gnomes from the Fey realm. But they've since kind of... I guess they're not, they still have like their characteristics of being like mischievous and funny and kind of like pranksters and stuff like that, but they've taken on more of a role of being caretakers of nature. Um, and that's where we have our, our common gnome and David the gnome. And that's kind of the history like behind um, where gnomes come from. Cute in a way. We're like, our our reality then is like, they're Australia. We're like, they're like, y'all fucked up. You had a war. You're, you're banished. You're going to have to go here. Just like we sent all the prisoners to Australia. And then it yes. became its own beautiful We're Australia. Thing. Yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are the Nine Realms Australia. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and so, again, this is based upon Scandinavian lore. Um, I did not really look into other cultures, that, but... All the sentiment that I got was that all the other, they're all kind of variations on this lore, basically. So <laughs> all the stories are kind of, kind of similar about where gnomes came from. They came from the Fey realm. They were kind of, they were, you know, kind of banished and uh, they're woodland protectors. So that's, that's just the kind of thing to uh, keep in mind with. Uh, that's the consistency between the lore of gnomes in between other countries. So, um, the gnomes eventually reabsorb some of their powers that were dispersed from this magical ritual, um, but they all kind of took to different. Um, they all got different powers depending on where they were living. So that's why we have all kinds of different gnomes. We have house gnomes and dew gnomes, Siberian gnomes, uh, and all of these are mentioned in David the Gnome uh, and. 
they're actually pretty close to uh, what the lore is that's presented in the show. So we're most familiar with garden gnomes, right? Yeah, um, but so David out of the gnomes, he out of his he's technically he's a forest gnome. So they're the ones, like I said, they protect the forest, the animals from danger, um, which is mostly in the form of humans destroying the land or poaching. They heal wounded animals. They use their magic to help plants grow. They do try to avoid humans. Um, but again, if a forest is particularly beautiful, it's said that the presence of a gnome is there. So I think that has something to do with um, uh, what we'll see in some of the other gnomes and kind of the superstition um, behind them. So we have garden gnomes. So this is a funny antidote. This is the uh, garden gnomes were originally made, according to legend, for gnomes, real garden gnomes, to hide behind or so they could stand really still and people would think they were a statue. No. Um, so just like the forest gnomes, if you have a gnome in your garden, that's a good sign because they're going to help it flourish. And as long as you're good to them and you leave little gifts for them and you take care of your garden, they will help make sure you have uh, great crops. So I guess, you know, back in the Middle Ages or whatever, if you had an amazing garden, people would get jealous and be like, oh, they must have a gnome in their garden, you know, if you if you had really good crops that year. Which is uh, which is interesting. So I wonder if that's also why people keep little effigies of gnomes in their yard too, aside from decoration. You know, just that superstition of uh, they're going to help your garden grow. Oh, definitely. There's got to be a connection because it's like almost uh, a staple of a lot of people's gardens. Right. Right. So um, anyway, that is uh, those are garden gnomes. Do gnomes? They don't really talk about a lot, but they are the largest of the gnomes and i don't necessarily know if that means like they're they're 10 inches tall or eight inches tall or they're just <laughs> bigger and bulkier you know they could be 20 feet tall if all you know for all i know they just they i really don't have a lot of information on dune gnomes unfortunately but as their namesake goes um they take care of the deserts uh they kind of dress in shabby peasant clothes so uh and that's really all they say about them so i guess they take care of sand and oasises don't really know mm, desert animals but but do gnomes do exist um house gnomes kind of like uh dobby yeah dobby from uh harry potter fame they like fixing broken things or finding lost things for humans um they can also also whisper ideas into your head in your sleep so it said if you wake up with uh, a good idea or you wake up um you know, thinking about a house project or how to fix something or where to find something that a gnome maybe whispered it to you in your sleep. You have a good house gnome that likes you. Um, uh, the king of the gnomes, I guess there's, there, there is a gnome council and gnome hierarchy within the mortal realm is normally chosen from a house gnome because they can speak and read human tongues. So that's another important thing to know about uh, house gnomes. I guess they're kind of the royalty, or maybe because they're the closest to humans, that's kind of how they choose their choose their leader. Um, you also have farm gnomes, which are kind of a hybrid of house and garden gnomes, and they help people's gardens grow. Um, Siberian gnomes, which are in... David the Gnome, he visits the king of the Siberian Gnomes several times in a few episodes. And we actually meet one really grumpy Siberian Gnome uh, within the show. And they're a hybrid. You know, this is the legend. This is not David the Gnome lore. But they're a hybrid of gnomes and trolls. And that's why they're so nasty. They have very bad tempers. And they love to take revenge by destroying crops or gardens or making lands unfertile. So they're kind of like the antithesis of all the other gnomes. Now, in David the Gnome, the Siberian gnomes are just basically Russian gnomes, but there's one really grumpy one that we meet, and we find out in the narrative that he is um, sort of poaching from poachers or fur traders. He kind of stops them and threatens to make their uh, horses sick if he doesn't give them their best pelts. So he's oh. kind of like high, highway robbing all these pelt traders. And uh, they basically, they uh, David and him, uh, the other gnomes trick him into losing his hat. And then he has to wear a uh, 
uh, a babushka over his head and he gets shamed by all the other gnomes because he lost his hat. So it's kind of, <laughs> uh, it's a, I guess a thing in the gnome world, like to, to lose your hat is like, you know, very, uh, uh, comical for other gnomes to see you without your hat, but also like a bad thing. So that's also interesting, you know, or like an embarrassing thing, I guess, like, you know, walking around in your underwear or something like that. So <laughs> that's, Aww, that's one other thing. Has. Yeah. De- being, being de is very, uh, very embarrassing in the gnome world. Um, there's mining gnomes, which again are sort of like dwarves in that they have a lot of the same aspects we attribute to fantasy dwarves that they love gems, they live underground, they love making jewelry and mining for ores, but they're not greedy um, with them. They love to collect them, but they also love to give them to humans who show themselves worthy or respectful to gnomes, um, which gets kind of intertwined in what you've probably guess are leprechauns um which are irish folklore so there's a little murkiness but um the gnomes are much more gentler than leprechauns and they also they don't have an obligation to help humans if they're caught where is you can do a sidebar on leprechaun lore but you know if according to lore if you catch a leprechaun they're uh obligated to help you or show you where their treasure is um, I wonder if the De Beer family has a like, you know, one of those like mining gnomes held captive or something. They they might. <laughs> they absolutely might. Maybe they have a king of them. Uh, really? That could totally be. So more similarities with David the Gnome. They're all great herbalists. They have a lot of knowledge of plants and healing. Um, strength of seven men, but can also run very, very fast. They have amazing eyesight like that of an eagle. And they can oh. communicate telepathically over great distances. So all of those facts are are things that exist in gnome lore that did transfer over to uh, David the Gnome too. Um, one thing that's different is how gnomes are created. Gnomes in lore are carved from stone by elder gnomes. Uh, and gnomes were first born from worms that emerged from Ymir's body when Ymir was killed. So this is uh, Norse mythology. You know, Ymir, the giant, uh, when he was slain by the uh, Aesir, his body formed the world. And the worms that emerged from his body were the first gnomes, apparently. Which is, again, Norse lore, little goofy, little strange, a lot of animals turning into people, people turning into animals, and a lot of like metaphors and illusion. Um, also, there's no female gnomes in uh, a lore. So oh. there, are, there are only male gnomes, and they recreate by carving more gnomes uh, from stone. So that's. That makes sense, yeah. What, else yeah. They, yeah. what else can they do? What else are they going to do? <laughs> there's no. no, no uh, Oh, don't make me say it. No, no mussy out there. So. <laughs> Rectal deliveries. <laughs> so, um, I, I, what do I have written here? So, the gods gave the worms a human body and mind and gave them divine powers, and they made uh, the gnomes with their divine gifts. So they weren't, when the worms came out of Humor's body, they were sort of like these divine human beings with powers, and they made the first gnomes. So if that's a little confusing, but that's yeah. that's what happened. Um, so some lore states that there are female gnomes, and they give birth around 120 years, and they give birth to twins. So that's another thing that's similar in David the Gnome. Uh, they have a vegetarian lifestyle, but you know sometimes they eat milk and eggs offered by animals. Uh, they have very childish demeanors until they're old, and they're mostly good to humans that respect them and nature. So those are all similar qualities in the lore that are uh, similar to David the Gnome. So, yeah. What do you think? You think David the Gnome seems like a pretty good representation, although, you know, maybe made a little childlike for the viewers, but pretty good depiction of Gnome World. Absolutely. I mean, they obviously had to keep it as child-friendly as possible, so there's no, like, actual mortal peril to them or their enemies, but very good. I think they kind of hit the nail on the head. What do you yeah. think? I, yeah, I was surprised, actually. I... Y- that how much was similar to what actual lore is, I'll say. 
So I was expecting more deviation just to kind of fit like the, the children's narrative. But aside from like some of the darker parts and, you know, obviously the, the Fey realm banishing and all that, um, it's, it's pretty true to uh, the nature and the essence of gnomes. And I think that's probably what made it such a good show and why the world is so like endearing and captivating to people. So they're so wholesome. I love them. It is. It's wholesome. And again, you know, I, I'm with all the memes that I post, I'm a big fan of all the, the gnome pilled memes and, you know, the Chad <laughs> guy believing in gnomes and leaving out gifts for gnomes, and, you know, making fun of uh, people that believe in like, you know, like all the skinwalker fanboys. It's like, no, nah, it's all about the gnomes. It's always been about the gnomes. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I would love to meet a gnome. Uh, I think it would be awesome. Um, my mom has a, a little interesting story that I'm going to uh, share at the end of the show about her uh, grandpa, my grandpa, meeting uh, what they call the Krasnalutki. Um, yes. Which were, yes. So have you ever heard of any legends of the Krasnalutki? Not really. I mean, like, I, I've heard the word and... And it's just been like a thing, like yeah, there's Krasnoludki, like that's just a thing. <laughs> but I can't think of any stories. I'm sure I heard them as a kid, and it's been so long. I mean, the Smurfs were basically Krasnoludki, like as far as yeah. we were concerned too. Like that, it was very similar. Yeah, um, that's that's cool. You bring up the Smurfs too, because again, Smurfs are very very similar uh, to the gnomes as well. Um, and the interesting thing about them. Uh, too is I that's also one of my first memories and it's funny because I've been talking about Smurfs a lot for some reason so I we used to have an old vinyl player and we had three vinyls that I would listen to and uh, one was George Thorogood and the Destroyers I thought that song was badass even when I was like three or four and then we had Michael Jackson Thriller and then I had two Smurf records which um, yeah I don't even remember. I think they were combinations of like songs and stories. But then um, I'll never forget one of the covers of the album like tripped me out at age four or five. So he, it's the cover of the album is a Smurf holding the cover of the Smurf album. And it's one of those never ending pictures. And I remember that was the first time I saw like a weird paradox like that at like four and it just blew my mind. I'm like, <laughs> he's holding the record that's holding the record that's holding the record. So. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> we do a side story episode about the favor and we can talk about our favorite Smurf episodes. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that's, that's about all I have for um, the world of the gnomes for uh for today but i think definitely uh would warrant another fey realm episode because there's a lot of interesting stuff we can talk about like changelings other uh rituals uh fairy um circles and the you know the natural phenomenon that happens in nature that we call fairy circles um yeah i don't know what do you what do you think about the fey realm oh i would love to keep diving into this I love it. And I'd love to hear more lore. I think this is like so up my alley. Awesome. Well, then we'll we'll definitely have to put that on the docket for uh, another episode. But uh, yeah, we haven't. I wanted to take a second to talk for a while. We haven't we haven't talked. Anything exciting happened in the paranormal world with you or any anything cool coming up for Halloween? No, I hate to say it, though. Uh, speaking of fairy rings, I did go foraging for mushrooms yesterday with some friends, and oh, we saw this enormous right. like mushroom fairy ring. They were just these huge, and I, I couldn't identify them, but there was it was absolutely a, an enormous fairy ring. And it wasn't until we were probably like walked about a quarter of the circumference that we were like, "This is kind of circular." And then, lo and behold, it was just this massive, perfect ring of mushrooms, and then. I don't know. Like we tried to stand in the middle of it, but nothing happened. Unfortunately, I was so ready. I was like, "Just take me, just take <laughs> me away." Yeah, take me away. I'm done. Take me away. Yeah, but that was oh, about it, so and nothing cool. happened. <laughs> well, you'll have to, if you would like, and you know, mind you want to um, show me any of the photos, and we could share them on the Instagram for people to see. I'd, uh, if you got any photos of the fairy ring, uh, that would be awesome. Also, oh, when you get sadly. your, because <laughs> when it was you're so uh, big. When you get your mushroom hoodie, you'll have to share that with us too, because that thing was so dope. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, you know what? I'm going to send you a photo of my like gnome area where I just have little gnomes that uh, I collect. I think that would really fit. <gasps> yes, absolutely. Um, so that's super cool. I saw all the mushroom things and I saw that you cooked one of them this morning or was that yesterday? I did. No, it was today and I haven't died yet. So I guess I, I guess I identified it. it correctly. <laughs> you made it, you made it to the recording. So that's always good. That's right. awesome. I don't have anything super spooky to report aside from, we had a very weird thing that happened, uh, on set yesterday or two days ago on thursday so we're filming in this warehouse it's not abandoned but we're in the basement and you know it's it's creepy and there's all this old storage stuff that's down there and someone found like this annabelle looking doll and Ooh. they just like it's like pristine it's not the thing was weird it's like all white it's not dirty but maybe it was sitting in a container somewhere but uh yeah, they just set it up like in the standing in the middle of the room of this warehouse and we're all freaking out. And then uh, every like different setup, like or as we like moved on, someone would move it somewhere in the room. So it was uh -huh. like moving all around. And then we came back like from lunch or something like that, and someone hung it up by its hand and it was just hanging in the middle of the room. And uh -huh. I was like, okay, fuck this thing tired of the annabelle <laughs> doll like this is creepy enough and you guys are like doing this shit but i mean it could have been a spirit that did it to be perfectly honest could have been a spirit but they could have not found a creepier doll and i, I posted that on the instagram page one of my friends took that awesome picture of it i i did not take the picture but uh i wanted to share it um because i thought it was nice and creepy so you probably get a lot more abandoned uh place photos while i work on <laughs> this show because that's all we go to is crappy rundown abandoned churches warehouses parking garages messed up homes you you name it so Wow, so you're like deep in like human urban decay. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like going further and deeper into the forest and becoming <laughs> one with the gnomes. I know. I would definitely like to do more uh, forest stuff. That would be that would be super cool. But yeah, we are. I'm in urban decay world right now. So, <laughs> but uh, hopefully, I have some interesting photos from it at the very least to uh, to share. Because again, some of the some of the shit you find in these places. It is scary. It is creepy. And you almost wonder if, like, someone intentionally left this there to be creepy. Because I know I would. Like, I would, to oh, I would yeah. totally be that person. But, uh, yeah. You got to hope. Yep, yep. Well, I guess that's about all I have for today. I know this is a little shorter episode, but it's okay. It doesn't need to be a giant opus that the the horrible ultra terrestrial episode was so we can uh you know maybe we'll get back in the groove and get some more going in the next few months or maybe do something special for uh halloween at the very least um so uh yeah um i'm gonna say good night maggie anything else you want to say to our moms that listen to this maybe i think that's it i think i'm all set i can't wait till the next recording Hell yeah. All right, cool. We'll have to do a little mini episode or something soon, and then we'll still have to have to plan our trip to White Cemetery in Cuba Road before it gets too cold. So uh, awesome. Yes, please. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Dave of the Gnome gush episode where I gush about how much I love gnomes. I hope you found it uh, interesting. And, uh, you know, be kind to uh, the, the nature. Be kind to the animals um, because the gnomes are out there watching. And they're seven times as strong as you, and they will fuck your shit up. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so good night, everyone, or good good afternoon. Later. Talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. All right. So, Mom, are you going to tell me about uh, the Krasnalutki? He called them, right? You tell me what Grandpa said he saw. Okay. So when I was a little girl, son. Your grandfather would go pick blueberries and mushrooms in the forest with, like, other farmers. And what he says that um, they um, saw little people running around, and they couldn't figure out what they were because they ran so quick. And when they saw regular uh, people coming in, they would hide from them.
They would hide behind trees. They would hide in uh, like branches. And they called them, like you said, they called them krasnolutki. And what that meant, they were little people. They looked like little dwarfs, but they were very smart. They were very fast when they ran. And he also said that on several occasions they went deeper, deeper into the forest to see where, because they couldn't figure out where they lived. They found a couple of uh, little hideouts. What they did is like they dug little, little tunnels, but not, not too deep, just deep enough for them to live in. And um, they had little doors that you can walk in. They were like regular little homes, but they were tiny because they were very short. Uh, he also said... <clears throat> When they went in one time and they looked into one of those little uh, build, uh, little tiny homes, he says they had little beds, like two or three beds next to each other. They were made out of uh, branches and wood. And he says they had little blankets and they couldn't figure out how they got, uh, they got them. But he says that at night, if when people left their laundry out hanging, because years, years ago, they would just hang out uh, clothes and their blankets and pillows to dry outside. So he says they would come out at night and they would steal them. <laughs> they would steal little yeah, things that they, they needed. they would steal the little things because yeah. no one was around and they would take them into their little homes. And... Um, uh, what else did he say? He says they... Uh, had look uh, like little pot. They would take everything they could see from farmers because don't forget that was so long, long ago, son, and everything was close to like the forests were close to the farms and the farmers. Um, he also said that uh, in the middle of their little place where they built, they had like a tiny little fire pit where they cooked uh, things. Um, uh, what Did else? He say he what they wore. He said that what they he said what they wore were just like little tiny clothes that they made by themselves because they were so smart and 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 they just picked little things up and they would you know had tiny little clothes on their feet. What he says they wore like uh, little moccasins made out of leather with little ties around it, you know. Did they have hats or no? Uh, I don't remember him saying that. I don't think they did, but I don't remember him saying it. All I'm, what he was saying is how uh, they look like little baby, little tiny little people running around. And uh, uh, what uh, he also said that every time they went into the forest, they were always, always around, but they were so sensitive into like regular human beings coming in. They felt them that they were in there picking up blueberries or whatever, wood, chopping food. They would run away and they would just watch till everyone left and mm. then they went back to their little homes. Um, I don't know what else uh, I can say about that, but this is a very, this is a true story. Uh, a lot, a lot of people had spoken about them, you know, uh, in the on the farms and in the little villages that people lived years and years ago. Um, they were so excited to see them, but they only lived in the forest. They would never like come out and 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 be around, you know, regular people. Yeah. But they seemed to be, what grandfather says, they seemed to be just like little human beings, just. Their faces were a little bit, you know, like a little dwarf face. And their fingers were a little tiny oh. and short. And their little feet were small. And they just kept running, boom, 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 he said, like little babies. <laughs> he says, you, you looked, and he says, two seconds later, they were gone. Yeah, and they couldn't find them. And they couldn't find them. But, you know, that's... Um, Did they ever leave out little gifts for them or anything? Or little things for them to have? Yes, some of the people would bring things and let they would leave him like uh, bread, cheese, 
something easy for them to eat uh you know beans because they you know you couldn't find anything in the forest they they kind of lived on a lot of the fruits but the uh people were very you know they felt bad and they you know uh wanted to leave them different things to eat uh what else did they uh oh he said that they would leave him like homemade butter Mm -hmm. So they could, and it was gone. He says, when they came back, everything was gone. They would take it. it. So that's one of the uh, nice stories that I remember your grandfather said, and it's a true story about how, you know, so many years ago, so, so long ago, little, little dwarfs. So when people say Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, they think it's just a fantasy. It isn't. Because there was, uh, they lived in Europe, like south of Europe. Yeah. Well, that's a good story, Mama. Thank you for mm-hmm. telling. I like that story, and I like the little people. 